Today on From the Heart, we meet Deb McKellen. Deb was born in 1968 with a complex heart condition. Looking back of the experiences that I've had ever since, it's just held me in such good stead. The strength and the resilience, you know, in my personality and my character. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Knowles. I'm a journalist and I live with a congenital heart condition. From the Heart is brought to you by Heart Kids. If you're enjoying our podcast, you can help other listeners find us by leaving a rating or a review. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we're recording on the land of the Gadigal people of the Oran Nation, otherwise known as Warung. We acknowledge the traditional owners and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We pass that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners. Welcome to the podcast, Deb. Where are you joining us from? I am dialing in from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, better known as Hawthorne in Victoria. Beautiful, beautiful country. Yes. How is it down there? Is it freezing? Is it warm now? Well, We're heading into summer. It, What's the go? It's a bit back and forward, actually, but a bit of a rainy, drizzly one today. But there's blossoms on the tree, so it's all looking really good. I love how positive you are. <laughs> love it. Love it. Look, We'll kick right in. Obviously, we're here to chat about heart conditions. Tell me a little bit about yours. Well, I can remember really early days. So I was born in 1968 and was diagnosed probably three months later. Was in the children's hospital a lot. Very, very blue. Struggled breathing and was kept a close eye on for all of those early years. It probably wasn't until I was 10 years old that there was attempts to even rectify anything surgically. Lots and lots of tests done in the meantime. But, yeah, not until I was around 10, 11. And I guess for those people who I know that I feel like when we say we were blue when we were young, a lot of people who have CHDs know what that know what that oh. means. For people who I suppose aren't aware of CHD, when we talk about being blue, mm. what, what does that mean? Oh, Gee, Rachel, it was, I think mum had that many people ask her if I was okay, if I'd eaten Vegemite, if, you know, and your fingers are quite clubby as well. So it's not just your lips, it's your fingers. They're quite blue and they're very clubby as well. So yeah, definitely short of breath in those days. A very scary experience, I can imagine, for parents. Yes. I imagine for you, you just cruised you on. Do. And took- <laughs> yeah, you do. You really do. <laughs> So it wasn't about till 10, you said. So tell me a little bit about, so your teenage years was when surgery kind of became a bit more prominent in your journey. Yeah, it was. It was a really tricky time. Although I could sense it coming because of all the tests and all of the conversations. And by this age and this stage, it was a great experience because doctors would sit and look at me and talk to me. And I really appreciated that even from a really young age. So It wasn't until the late 70s that I had my first heart operation and then two others pretty close after that, so two and three years later. So that was, so we're looking at around, I was in grade five and then I was in year seven and year eight for the first three, yeah. All right. It's a very, like, I feel like that's the point of your life, you know, all the coming coming of age stories. To have surgery at that point in time. You know that you are different because you can't do what all the other kids can do like it's such a standout obvious experience I suppose because I just had to sit a lot and I can remember an excursion in grade two where my grade two teacher sat me on a bike and I didn't even know how to ride a bike at that age because I'd never had the opportunity 
and he pushed me all the way from my primary school to the local fire station for an excursion so that I could go. And so, you know, that's just remarkable to me. You know that you're different. All the other kids know that you're different. But you just blend in. They get used to it. You get used to it. It all just works out. I think there's like quite a beautiful, it's a hard thing to, you know, the unspoken difference at times that's there. Yeah. But it gives you a really beautiful, I think, resilience oh. as you grow. Did you find oh, Rachel, that? Rachel, so much. I can't even stress that point. I'm sure it seemed harder at the time because of the age and the stage. But looking back of the experiences that I've had ever since, it's just held me in such good stead. The strength and the resilience, you know, in my personality and my character. I'm so grateful. I really am. Oh, I love that. And I can imagine at that point in time in your life, particularly with schooling, was there anything that kind of that in your schooling journey that changed because you had these big significant things happen at that point in time? Do you mean after the surgeries? Yeah, oh, yeah. So oh, with schooling or anything Absolutely, like that. Rachel. I can remember, I can't even remember which procedure it was. It was the first or the second that I can remember looking at my fingers in intensive care and they were pink. That was my first realisation that there was like major change going on. And then it just really went on from there. So I could start playing a little bit of netball and doing the things where I, I wasn't short of breath and it was a lot more, I suppose, normal, you know. So it was a significant difference. But I think because you're going through that journey, it, it just is gradual and it just go you go with the flow. I think we just go with the flow. Yeah. That's it. You take what yeah, you can get, do, right? Yeah, you absolutely do. You make the most <laughs> of every bit. Look, as a fellow netballer, do you remember what position you played? Oh, yes. I was that little wing attacker and I was little. I was really little. Yeah. God, a heart condition kid playing oh, wing I attack. Know. I'm so impressed. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I did wing attack. Well, I'm a GA. Okay. I did wing attack one time and I broke my ankle. <laughs> oh, no. So hats off to Yay. you. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, look. So I want to talk about a little bit as well, like the transition, particularly you know, after your surgeries and then into adult healthcare. What was that transition like for you at the time? Yeah, that's a good question, Rachel. You know, I wonder if it's similar with lots of other kids going through that transition in that you really struggle at the start, like you really don't like the change. You know, you go into a new hospital that's sort of, seemed to me at the time a lot older than the children's so I got a little bit it was a little bit uncomfortable to start with but it becomes your new normal very quickly you know you're having the ECGs and the echoes and the CTs and the exercise stress tests and all the other you know bits and pieces that go along with being a part of the congenital cardiac family I suppose and you have your annual appointments and they come around that quickly that it's your new normal before you know it. And the doctors are amazing. Like they're so supportive. They just understand. They just understand. They know if it's your first or one of your first times, you know, that you're transitioning over. They're very supportive. You said something before that I find really interesting and I think that's so powerful potentially for a lot of people who may share similar experiences is that you went going through this in almost your teenage years and having doctors speak directly to you. Do you think that that really helped when you did transition into adult care to f care to feel quite self-determined in your health choice? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's still a hard stage. I can remember not wanting my scar to be seen. I think a lot of us felt like that at that age. Whereas now I really don't even like wearing necklaces because, you know, it shows and it's really quite lovely. (laughs) My husband teases me now. He says, oh, Deb, you're not looking like a heart kid anymore because, you know, you're in your early 50s and people are going to start thinking it's heart problems from the other end of life. So, you know, he always gives me a bit of a tease here and there, which is always good. It keeps you grounded. (laughs) See, it brings you back to reality. Once a heart kid, always a heart kid. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, bless. I guess in that transitional time, is there any advice that I suppose, or I suppose mantras or messages that you relied on in that point in time to get you through that? Rachel, I had my mum with me who, oh my gosh, if her hands were lined up with a million other women's hands, I would know my mum's hands because I've held them so many times in my childhood and even in my early adulthood because she came with me through all of that transition and we did everything together. We just did everything together. So she was my rock. She was my mentor and you never got a day off school very easily with my mum. So she was strong and she really carried me through and I'll never forget that. You know, I really appreciated that, especially in those times where you are feeling really quite vulnerable and a little bit unsettled. I think there's nothing quite like a heart moment. Oh, eh? my gosh. My gosh. The waiting times, the the conversations, you know. And I think you mature quite quickly because of the conversations that you're having and that you're a part of. So I think the kids that are, you know, that are in the children's at a young age, they're, they're growing up pretty quickly and... You know, they needed to be commended for that because they're around a lot of adult stuff, a lot of adult conversations, and, yeah, they're incredible. It's hard to when you're so young to have to make choices about yeah. your health when you don't fully comprehend yeah, what they actually that's mean. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and I understand now that you have two children of your own. Oh, that still just amazes me because of the conversations that I was a part of as a child at the children's, you know. I was told that... I wouldn't have children. That was okay because it's introduced in those early years and you get your head around that. So that's just a part of your future. I don't know, Rachel. I don't know if I ever really believed anything that didn't sort of match what I wanted to do in my life. So I probably just thought that I would have kids and, yeah, was really, really fortunate enough to have two of our own went to adoption meetings in our early years of marriage and was really fortunate to have heard about and met an incredible obstetrician that dealt with high-risk pregnancies. So I have Jonah, who's 22, who's just finished studying biomedicine, and Claudia, who's studying fashion. She's 20. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Oh, Rachel, they're the best. They're the best. (laughs) They really are. If you don't mind me asking... I'm always really interested in hearing like experiences of of childbirth and pregnancies. Yeah, absolutely. For you, did you go natural? Did you have a, what was the best for you at the time? Really good question. When Justin and I went to speak to this obstetrician, he was absolutely fantastic because he hadn't really had this conversation with anyone before. And we gave him all of the information and he said to make an appointment in six weeks time so that he could do a little bit of research and ask a few people probably my cardiologist and that team that were around me at the time. 
And Justin and I went back in six weeks and there was a plan all in place and that was for a natural birth for cardiac reasons. And there were things in place for me at the Royal Melbourne and for Jonah who it was going to be wherever he needed to be at a NICU or whatever the case was. But that didn't all go to plan. So I had to have a Caesar in the end, last minute, had a cesarean and that was all fine. All went really, really well, really well. Oh, that's so I good. know. So <laughs> oh, I think that's the most, I think I relate <laughs> a lot to the like, this is the plan of my life oh, and I'm, I'm going to make it work. And <laughs> it's so interesting, Rachel, because you do, you make it work. You make it work. You might be told a little few detours along the way, but you bring it back into line and make it work. <laughs> <laughs> I know that like from the sounds of things, you know, having surgery around, you know, 11 in your early teenage yes. years and then to go to this obstetrician and kind of be the first to have this conversation with him, was it ever nerve-wracking or did you ever feel nervous that, you know, these are conversations that are only just kind of beginning and you're on the forefront of that? You know, Rachel, not for one second because of all of the experiences I'd had already at the Children's and then moving across to the Royal Melbourne, I just had so much faith in all of the doctors that were around me. I never doubted any of them or anything that I was told for a second, not for a second. I love that. That's good health care. Good health care. <laughs> Great health care. Yes. Beautiful. And I understand, so does Jonah also have a heart condition? Yes, he does. I can remember the little sweetheart that, you know, they held his tiny little arms up at six weeks to do a chest X-ray and then he had an echo and they found that he had a bicuspid aortic valve. So he's got two little leaflets instead of three and he sees the same cardiologist that I do every second year and he's good as gold. Wouldn't even know yet. Oh, that's it. And I know that we talk a lot about, you know, the, I suppose, the potential of passing on acquisition yeah. to our children. Is there any genetic link? I've been told that there isn't. I've been told that this was just a fluke that we found because they did the same with Claudia, just all of the tests after they were born, just to make sure that everything was A-OK. And Claudia's, you know, she's quite the bragger, really, saying that she's just so fit and healthy with, you know, this fantastic little heart that ticks away <laughs> and it does <laughs> I mean yeah, good absolutely good on, <laughs> good on you Claude <laughs> get it girl yeah. oh I love that that's so wonderful and like, I guess in the heart journey and even now I guess what's the position been like for you to go through your own journey yeah. and then have to kind of switch the role to being almost a bit of a heart mum Jonah he's so self-sufficient Rachel he's so you know such a strong young man and he was always going to follow through and I think as my mum said to me you know the massive take-home message is to continue these appointments I mean I think it is for all of us it is just so so important because these things can be seen before we any changes I should say can be seen through all the testing that's done before we feel it most often most often Mind you, if there was any change in how I was feeling, you know where to go straight away. I think ignorance is not bliss. Knowledge no, is power. that's exactly right. Yes. That's it. Oh, beautiful. So another thing that I wanted to pick your brain about is your decision to become a nurse. Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, well, I just was in awe of the nurses that looked after me as a child at the children's in Melbourne. They were just incredible. And so I knew every detail of what year they were because of the cap that they wore, how many stripes were on their cap. And, you know, nurses would come across from the Royal Melbourne and they had the beautiful aprons on. And, oh, I just thought they were absolutely incredible. And they did everything, Rachel, in those days. They did everything. So they did all of the meals, they did all of the washing, they gave all of the medications, they played with you, they'd get you up at night and sit you on their lap if you were homesick or missing, you know, mum. They were amazing. And so for me, all I wanted to be was a nurse. That's all I wanted to be. I missed a lot of school, you know, in my childhood, just with a lot of the tests that I had. And then obviously through that grade five to year eight, missed a lot of school in there as well. So I went back and did year 12 when I was 22. I left at year 11 because I thought, no, I'm not smart enough. I don't think I can do year 12. And so I left and did secretarial work for five years, but really always wanted to be a nurse. So I went back to my old high school when I was 22 and did year 12 and got into nursing. <laughs> What a beautiful full circle oh, moment. I know. It was so good. Oh, I love that. And, like, did you work in any hospitals around you? Like, did you end up going back to the children's? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I didn't go back to the children's. I think I would have probably been a little bit too emotional around kids. That would have been too hard. And I'm such a born nurse. If I could sit on the end of someone's bed and make them feel good for the whole of my shift, I would love to do that. But, of course... Nursing is a very task oriented role and there's lots of jobs to be done in that shift. So, yeah, I haven't actually nursed by the bedside for a good 17 years now. I do miss that. So I'm in more of an administrative role in nursing, yeah, but I do miss nursing. Worked on a cardiac ward, that was great, and then was in intensive care for most of my nursing years, yeah. Look, Deb, if I ever end up back in hospital, I will give you a call because <laughs> we can oh, have some cuppers and some chats. I'll wrap you in cotton wool. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> Look, obviously we're on the Heart Kids podcast. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your interaction with Heart Kids. So I understand that I suppose the charity wasn't around at the beginning of your journey. So tell me a little bit about how you've managed to kind of come in contact. Well, I went on and studied psychology after I did nursing. So I did a postgrad in psychology and I'm currently doing my Masters of Public Health at Melbourne Uni. So I do a lot of research and I've known that Heart Kids has been there for a long time. Haven't really, I suppose, used Heart Kids like other families would at this stage, but gee whiz. The information that's available is incredible and it is so up to date and the supports there are just incredible. I love knowing that. I love knowing that there's a Facebook page and you can connect and mums are speaking to mums and dads are speaking to dads and kids are speaking to kids and, you know, it's just such a unique support system. It really is. For any heart parents, you're not ever in this journey alone because the support from Heart Kids is just incredible and the information like I said it's so up to date it is incredible. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said you know when you deny yourself of a community you don't often feel seen and you don't have that chance to kind of move through that but 
coming into a community like Heart Kids, you are really seen. You don't have to translate to people's experiences. There's that. No, straight away, straight away. And this podcast, Rachel, is just incredible. Yourself and Sam are just, I've listened to everyone and I can relate, you know, to some of the people that have spoken and, gee, sometimes it pushes a button and you well up with tears because you just get it. You just really get it. And there's no other community like it. It really is so helpful. I think that's it. I think I welled up a little bit earlier and every like every podcast without fail, I cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, know that if you're listening and crying, I was probably recording it and crying. <laughs> well, I've had to put my strong pants on today as well because it sometimes can really just grab you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's I find sometimes the questions you don't see coming. That's can exactly right. Push on a little bit of a that's bruise. That's exactly yeah. right. Look, I think particularly for in terms of having that community, I guess for you, what's the importance of us sharing our stories and what's the importance of building that space? Rachel, even for me as an adult, you know, I suppose there was a sense of, well, I'm not really a heart kid anymore. But if there's ever anything that I want to share to us heart kids that have transitioned into now into adulthood is that this community is so important. Like, Everyone has got your back from, you know, all of the medical support, all of the nursing support, all of the allied health support, not to mention all of the mums and the kids and the adults that are going through this. Every single day, there is someone out there for everyone, whatever their needs may be or whatever stage they're at in the journey or however attached they are, even if they're siblings of heart kids. You know, it's really important that they connect as well. I used to worry about my siblings. I had an older brother and two younger sisters and that's probably the part that will catch me. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry too. (laughs) I feel that, yeah, that kind of like, you know, they've had to also go through a lot of that. Like who was there for them? Like, you know, that's how I felt growing up, even though, you know, they're the best. They are the best. And they would always, when I went off to an appointment, they would always say, good luck, Deb. I'd always hear that from the door. Good luck, Deb. And I used to think, I'm going to be fine, guys. I'm fine. But, you know, as I've gotten older, they're they're who I think more of now than myself. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, when you're young and you're going through that survival stuff, it's just, you know, get to the point where I can and suddenly your world starts to open up and seeing your siblings and your parents and all these people that... I know. I know. The beautiful network and I think, you know, they always say that they you know, love you and they wouldn't have done anything different, but yeah. it's one of those things where you're eternally oh, grateful, oh, eternally grateful. Absolutely, yeah. Beautiful. And look, I know you said before that you might not be considered a heart kid anymore, but I did say previously, once a heart kid, always a heart kid. You're in the club oh, for life. you better believe it, and I'm so proud to be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is our chat for today. Deb, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. You are absolutely incredible with so many studies to your name. I'm so impressed. A fellow netballer (laughs) and a fellow heart kid. Thank you for being here. Oh, look, it's such a pleasure, Rachel. I've loved every bit of it. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Anytime. Sometimes this podcast deals with some heavy things. If this brings up anything for you or somebody that you love, it's important to reach out for help. The Heart Kids Helpline provides support and guidance for anyone impacted by congenital or childhood heart disease. You can call the helpline on 1800 432 785. 
To access more information about childhood heart disease as well as support from HeartKids, visit the website at heartkids.org.au. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect your or your family's health.